You're listening to the Effective Developer Podcast. My name is Sebastian and in this episode we're going to have another interview and I'm interviewing Lisette Sutherland who's the founder of Collaboration Superpowers, the author of the book Work Together Anywhere, a TEDx speaker and in general a wealth of knowledge on all things working effectively and working remotely. I really enjoyed this interview and I hope you will too so here we go. All right, now I'm very happy to introduce Lisette. So hi, and I'm glad that you're here and that you can join us on this episode. Oh, I really appreciate being invited. So um, to start it off, let me ask you this question. How does an ideal Lisette day look like, right? So with regards to productivity or so that at the end of the day, you feel good with how it went? It's interesting because I actually spent a lot of focus on this very question over 2021, uh, mostly because I was so exhausted after 2020, you know, because during the pandemic, while, uh, yeah, I think all of us were pro probably really exhausted yeah. during the pandemic, but um, in 2021, I really had to figure it out because I had so much work coming in and so many requests coming in that I had to put some boundaries in place. So for me, my ideal day, I wake up and immediately, like I make a cup of coffee and I read the news. I'm a total U.S. politics junkie. Okay. I mean, I, I can't look away. So like, you know, my first thing of the day is like, what happened last night? So <laughs> I read the news and then, but not for too long. I have a timer, so I don't spend too much time uh, doing all that. Otherwise you just get sucked in. And then I go for a quick walk, like 10, 15 minutes in the morning, just to get outside because I heard that actually having daylight is better. I used to just start right away. And then I go up to my office and I try to do like, ideally I do a couple, a few hours of just high focused work. I take a break and I usually do some sort of a workout, like I go running or for a walk or during the pandemic, I actually got myself a virtual personal trainer. So a guy named okay. Cody in Ohio assigns mm -hmm. me a workout or three, four workouts a week and then monitors whether I do it or not using my iWatch. <laughs> so, uh, so it's like, you know, it's like the first thing, because I was gaining weight during the pandemic and just like everybody and it was freaking me out. So like, I didn't like, I just didn't like the feeling. So I don't know why it works for me, but it does. So I do a workout and then I come back to, uh, to working for another few hours. And I am usually done by five 36 o'clock and I call it quits. And then I really, I turn off, I shut everything down. And then I've mm -hmm. got a button next to my door when I leave my room and I push the button and it says that was easy. And then I close the door and I go downstairs. That's like <laughs> my ritual. And the weird thing about the button mm -hmm. is just pushing it puts it in like, no matter how hard or frustrating the day was, for some reason, when you're like, that was easy, it puts me in a different frame of mind of like, oh, that wasn't so bad. I totally survived that. I could, mm -hmm. you know, time to, time to go rest. And then, yeah, so that's, that's my, uh, my typical work day. And at night I don't read emails. I don't mm -hmm. do any work. Like I really keep a clear boundary. And I know that part of remote working is the beauty of having a work-life blend, but I really mm -hmm. think that everybody has to figure out what blend is healthy and sustainable mm -hmm. for them. And that's what makes it so hard. Because like what works for me is not going to work for anybody else. I was reading Tim Ferriss's book. He has the his like tools for titans. Mm -hmm. And the whole book is just filled with everybody's productivity schedule. And I was like, it, it's, it's so different for, for everybody. Mm. You know, you can't, yeah. So that's what makes it interesting, I guess. 
Yeah, that's definitely true. I mean, I also, yeah, I also read that or listened to it actually. And yeah, it's interesting. It's very different. But on the other hand, you you certainly have certain patterns, you know, like, for example, like what you said, you would uh, like to work in a focused way, especially in the beginning of the day, and then take a longer break doing, uh, doing lunch, or, you know, do something else, do sports. And I think this is true for a lot of people. And it's certainly true for me. I found it interesting that you said you read the news at the very first thing of uh, of the day. So, so I know I, I cannot do that. I actually deliberately have everything in flight mode and I cannot read emails or anything. I don't want any, you know, how I think of it, any external inf uh, information like uh, invade my brain in, in the first half of the day or at least in, until I did something, especially with news, you know, with all of, yeah. well, I guess, especially since two years, like with everything that's no, going it's on. It's a little bit <laughs> super smart of you, actually. I, it, I think what it is, is it's my addiction yeah. to U.S. politics. Like I just, like I waited all night to read it. <laughs> oh, <laughs> you know, I get like it, It's yeah. my reward. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Anyway, but do you have a feeling that it somewhat uh, sometimes affects then the first uh, like productivity session, working session that if you're like, okay, you have some super unsettling news that you just read and you kind of like cannot uh, or, or you can totally focus afterwards still. It depends if there's something like really exciting going on and uh, and I won't go into details because I you know I don't want to offend people who have different political views and uh, that's not what's on. But so if there's really something exciting going on, then I am I get distracted during the day. That's for sure. But it's rare that there's something so like exciting that I can't. So usually the walk that I take around the neighborhood is mm. without anything in my ears. You know, it's just 15 minutes of fresh air and I go and I see all the neighbors walking their dogs and I say hello to all the neighbor cats. And by then my head is cleared for deep focus work. And I don't really look at the news for the rest of the day until I'm done with work. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, I feel like, you know, we've all got our guilty pleasures and our addictions in terms of what we can and can't control. And instead of just working against it and not reading it at all, I thought I'm just going to time box it. Yeah. You know, like, so yes. I just time box it and then I'm, and then it's done. Definitely. Yeah. And I like that you mentioned timer because that's, that's certainly something super helpful because yeah, as you say, like there's certainly something about this guilty pleasure where it, it feels really, you know, like nice and I don't want to say rewarding, but you know, it is a good feeling and a nice feeling, but then at some point it kind of tips where you say, oh my God, I just spent like half an hour or one hour, like just like in this time sink. And then you're like, okay, if, if I would have set a time or anything to somewhat limit it, uh, then yeah, it's, it's probably oh, makes, yeah. you, makes you feel better about it. I used to complain a lot to friends. Like, I don't have any time. I don't have any yeah. time. Like, there's just not enough time. And then I'm looking at like how much time I spend on my apps on my phone. Mm -hmm. And it was, mm -hmm. it was literally like two plus hours a day on Twitter. Yeah. And then I thought, okay, I've got to do something about this. Like that, when you, that's one thing for people, if you're not sure where you're, uh, what, if you're productive or not, put it, mm -hmm. install one of those product productivity apps, like rescue time or something like that, just to, just to highlight what you're doing. Cause sometimes just seeing the numbers and the data yes. Yes, gives us a little insight. Like you can't hide from the data, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So you use an app for it or you deliberately set a timer because you could I use an about app the for it. Mm -hmm. There's like a, within the iPhone, there's an app limiter and I just limit, yeah. I just limit Twitter. That's my guilty pleasure. I just love yeah. Twitter because you can curate your own lists and all, you know. Yeah. 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 No, that's really interesting for me. My, my guilty pleasure with that regard is uh, I follow a few uh, YouTube channels with, you know, like various topics, of course, also IT and development and all that. And for me, that's kind of like 
um, after my first work session. So usually around like 10, 11, where I would like feel the first uh, being tired or something like that, then I would go there and check, you know, like all the videos that have been uploaded uh, since the previous day. Um, but for me, that's also kind of like I force myself to do this after the, the work session. So that's kind of like, a, you know, a, um, a, a goodie that I give myself afterwards for kind of like working at first. So it's, it's and it's a great some... reward system, right? Yeah. Like it totally works. You're like, oh, if I can just get through this next uh, time mm -hmm. box, I can reward myself with. And I think that's the perfect use of these productivity things. Like we don't want to keep everything at bay. It's just too hard. Yeah. I mean, I just don't have the discipline at some point. <laughs> so yeah, just no, like everybody else. Yeah. Yeah. But that's, I mean, I think that that is really the difficulty of people who work remotely is mm -hmm. finding a system that works for you sustainably. And of course the systems change over time. I mean, if you ask yes. me in three months, what my routine is, it'll be different. Yes. And, and that's, that's certainly a thing and related to that, because what I found really interesting um, so what we, what both of us have in common is that, uh, we started working remotely way earlier than I would say everybody else and, or most, uh, most other people. And especially, well, since March, 2020. So what is your current view, you know, as an, uh, as an expert to since, um, what, what happened since then, like how the overall working world uh, has changed and especially how people, you know, deal with it and what is your current, you know, point of view on this overall sphere or the working sphere in general? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely, clearly what we saw is all the people who doubted whether it was possible mm -hmm. finally saw that, you know, when necessary, yeah, yeah. it was possible to do it. So, I mean, you know, I didn't have to, you know, I had to, I had to take a whole section out of my presentations to prove like you can trust that other people are doing thousands of teams are doing it. So I had to take that all out. So people thought it was possible. And then we really saw a distinction in the cultures of companies. There are some companies that are just better in person, even though mm -hmm. they could work remotely. Mm -hmm. um, and it was really highlighted for me when I went and I joined my husband for lunch, but he works in a, a startup hub here in the Netherlands. Mm -hmm. And so it's like a huge building with a hundred plus companies, startups in there doing all kinds of cool things. And a friend was fitting. So we went there for lunch. And what I noticed, and this was, you know, just a few months ago. So we're well into the pandemic and people are able to go back to the offices in limited amount. But what I noticed is there were some companies that were totally there and mm -hmm. others that hadn't been there in ages, like all the plants are dead. And what it highlighted for me was that there were some cultures that were just better in person. Like they just liked being in person. Mm -hmm. They liked being together. Mm -hmm. And so it made it clear for me that the future of work is choice. And mm -hmm. that's, it's, it's really what it's going to be moving forward. And so we're, we're exploring this whole hybrid model. We can call it hybrid, but really mm -hmm. what I call it is choice is mm -hmm. people want the freedom to work when and where they're most productive. And I do this interesting, I mean, I didn't think it was so interesting in the beginning, but I do this poll question in my presentations and workshops. And I ask people, what time of day are you most productive? Mm -hmm. And I didn't expect the results to be so clear, but I've done the poll like 40 times now. And every single time, 50, 40 to 50% of people say that they're most productive during the daylight but the other 50% are most productive other times of the day. And it really highlighted for me, like that the office was built for the daylight people, mm -hmm. right? Like that's, it's mm -hmm. totally built for the nine to fivers. And the rest of us have been sort of forced into this uh, pattern. And it's not a bad thing. 
I, you know, I would say like my natural tendencies, if I had my ways, if my husband weren't around, like if he goes on vacation without me or something, like I creep towards working from 3 PM to 10 PM. That's like mm-hmm. my, in my natural habitat, I'm kind of a late, late night mm-hmm. person, but I'm forced into a time box that works for him because after six o'clock, he wants nothing to do with work anymore. So, you know, it's not bad to be forced into a different like time box, but it would just highlight it for me how different it was for every person. So moving forward, I think we're just, you know, now that cat's out of the bag, we've mm-hmm. all seen that it can work. So those of us that want to continue are going to find a way to continue doing this. Mm-hmm. I mean, the freedom is just too big, right? Definitely, definitely. Uh, let me ask a few questions here. So, so one thing when you ask people about when they feel most productive, and one thing I was always curious about, I mean, yes, from the human perspective, there seems to be like kind of like two camps, early uh, people and, you know, more late, uh, late people. But I also, especially with regards to um, a, a software developer or a knowledge worker, thought it has a lot to do as well with what is a quiet time for you, right? So if you say, well, um, if we think of a of an office, maybe a noisy office, then certainly there are some people who love arriving early because then they get two really quiet hours the day in or other people who would just stay late where then nobody else is around, but also for the reason of just getting a quiet working environment. And now I would yeah. really love to know if that changed a little bit, if in terms of how much did it have to do with a good environment in which you can focus and how much with your, your more natural clock as a human, from a human body perspective. Yeah. I mean, and, and, you know, and I'm not really sure because there's also some people that they don't have a setup at home that mm-hmm. gives them a quiet environment ever. And right. the office is like the place you know, that they would, so there's so many different situations, which is why mm-hmm. it almost seems crazy the way we worked before when you look back on it, right? Like mm-hmm. forcing everybody into this nine to five schedule mm-hmm. is kind of, it feels a bit archaic at this point. Th- that's On certain. the other hand, it's mm-hmm. highly efficient, you know, like everybody's at the same place at the same time. Yes. There, there is a reason why we did it. So it's not, and you know, that's why it's just choice. Like for me, so much stimulation being around so many people and having to go through the commute. It's just killer for me. I'm just, mm-hmm. I'm just not meant for that. You know, mm-hmm. like if I, if I have my choice. So yeah, I think there's a lot of people, highly sensitive people that are also like that out there. Like mm-hmm. I don't mind working with people, but the whole, like five days a week, I'm toasted. Mm-hmm. No, definitely. And especially also the sort of balance that you, um, I would say almost everybody will need need some quiet time where you can just like think, where you can focus. I would say certainly for software developers, that that junk is much bigger. That you say, okay, I you know uh, I like to work in a focused way where nothing and nobody uh, disturbs me. But then also everybody likes to at least communicate at some point. You know whether then it's some sort of meeting on you know whatever time percentage works for you. But I think that's that's certainly uh, the case, regardless of the environment, that that everybody benefits at least some time from having a really quiet, well set up work environment in which you can focus. Well, I think it also comes down to sort of the critical way of how remote changes work, because mm-hmm. when we work remotely, most of us are knowledge workers and we yep. need time for deep thinking and yep. focused work. Like we're using our brains. It's not like I can just say like, okay, it's 11. I'm going to, now I'm going to do this task. Like for mm-hmm. me, it's like, it's not like it just comes out when I want it to. Right. I wish yeah. it did. Okay. And, uh, and so this whole idea of creating pockets of time for us to think is what's rising to the surface for a 
lot of remote workers now, because what we've done is replaced being remote with endless online meetings Mm -hmm. of touching base with people. And so, you know, now people are having to really think about in this new medium of work, how do we redesign our days and our meetings so that we don't have this back-to-back meeting? So, asynchronous work and better meeting design and facilitation is really coming to the forefront as being, you know, not just productivity tools, but also um, sustainability tools. Mm-hmm. Because we, if we're going to continue working in this way, we've got to find a way to make it sustainable. And back-to-back meetings online, that's just torture. It just, that's not, that's not what this medium is meant for, you know, every once in a while, but. Mm-hmm. No, I think not every if, not if needed. Listening to this can can relate, yeah, definitely. I was about to ask about you know tools related to meeting, but you mentioned a term sustainability tools, which I think is interesting. So can you elaborate on on that, or can you give some examples what that would look like? Um, you know, in fact, there's in this situation what I'm thinking of, and I I can talk about tools. I'm a tool junkie, mm-hmm. but uh, in this situation, what I'm thinking about is um, structuring your meeting days a little bit mm-hmm. different. Like, and so it's not really a tool; it's more of okay. like a I don't know a system. And the biggest advice, I mean, you know, everything this works for me, but the biggest advice that I hear out there is leaving breaks in between meetings at mm-hmm. least oh, yeah. 15 minutes, mm-hmm. because every meeting has something you need to follow up on or some loose end that you need to tie up, right? Like you don't just walk out of a meeting and then that's it. Like there's always something that people like notes or whatever. And mm-hmm. so uh, you want to leave yourself time for tying up those loose ends and just going through that. And you want a physical break. Mm-hmm. Like it's just good for the brain. So running up and down the stairs, like I do, you know, I do some like a five minute stretch routine or I go mm-hmm. outside and walk around the block. There's always a cat in my backyard. So that's motivating. Uh, so I can go into the garden and pet a cat for a little bit. But, you know, the taking a break is really important in between meetings. And I think people don't realize how important mm-hmm. it, it is. But it's really like if you want to sustainably work in this way, staring into your screen all day is not the way to do it. Not not. I mean, it's different to type than meeting. I feel yeah. No, coding all day is something I can write all well, I can't really write all day, but some people can code all day, but even then you need, you know, you need a break. Yes, that's, that's definitely the case. Um, I, and I found very interesting things there as well. Like when you just look at the default uh, scheduling time for some companies where they set up per default, like one hour or something, um, you know, right. default meeting time. So if you just choose a new meeting and then of course you're anchored already, you know, you're anchor biased towards that 60 minutes. And if it's short and you say, well, maybe I should do a 30, right. But nobody schedules a meeting for seven minutes or then you someone have to urge, okay, now we have these 30 minutes now we somewhat need to fill it right and that's that's also probably not the best the best thing no, I, what i what i tell people is you want meeting design you want to design your meetings so mm-hmm. when you send out you want to send out an agenda what why are we yeah. here and if you do that you'll find that half the meetings don't need to happen because you yeah. could do it asynchronously somehow Yes. And especially, and I was really wondering why this is not more the case, you know, somewhat this culture of, hey, if we're about to meet, then please, you know, look up some information up front so that we don't have to start, you know, with, with Adam and Eve when it, once the meeting starts, but basically say, hey, read this up front at your own pace. You know, some people might be faster, some others take more time or watch this video or I recorded something like I just said, asynchronously. And then let's just meet for the points where we actually, where it's more efficient to talk about it uh, synchronously, right? Where we can just like meet and everybody's somewhat on the same page up front. If you follow that agenda or these, please prepare these points up front. 
and then I think it's just more much more efficient, right? To it's a it's a change in mindset for people to 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 go that way. Most of us just mm -hmm. schedule a meeting and we don't think about what we're going to do in the meeting until we arrive. That's mm -hmm. pretty standard, right? It's like, oh yeah, the marketing thing. I'll think about it next week at two p.m. Mm -hmm. But in fact, if we're gonna make if we're gonna make this a more sane way of working, we've got to reevaluate all of that and design mm -hmm. it differently. I mean, that's otherwise. Otherwise, you've got back-to-back -back meetings and just tons of unscheduled and unstructured emails going back and forth, and it's just uh, it's just crazy making. And people do it not because they're bad, but because it's convenient. Like the, it's mm, super yeah. convenient to send people an email or a meeting invite, and you know, it's super convenient. But that, but we're not paid to be convenient. We're paid to produce value. Yeah, that's that's definitely the case. Um, what, what, what would you think for a, let's say more regular software developer or somebody who's, who's not a manager, what is a good way to sort of, you know, in a nice way, communicate that if, for example, you get a meeting request at your high productivity working time and you're like, okay, this is just not that important, or it should be done the different way, or we don't need 60 minutes or there's no uh, agenda. What would it say is a, is a just good, good way as a tip to communicate that back for maybe a more conservative environment where, where there is no such culture yet. Yeah, indeed. Like you don't want to go in like guns. Okay. That's an American phrase guns blazing, but okay. You don't want to go in like, you know, changing things around it. because it'll also, it can appear as rude. Um, one of the places where I started is I created a personal guide to working with me just because mm -hmm. I, you know, just to highlight what I needed for myself. Mm -hmm. um, and then I put it out uh, so that anybody, if I work with a client or, uh, you know, somebody new then I, I can send that to them. And then they know, like, I prefer to communicate via email because mm -hmm. I have a bad memory and it's really hard for me to remember stuff, uh, you know, that kind of thing. And so I would say, start with a personal working guide. And then when somebody requests a meeting from you, the first question is always, what is the purpose of this meeting? And what, what do you expect me to contribute? Like, mm -hmm. what are you hoping that I will contribute to the meeting? Just so that like, and you could just phrase it as like, oh, I'm just, you know, I'm really busy this day and I'd love to be there, but I just want to make sure that I'm going to bring what you need. So what exactly are you trying to get out of this meeting? And what do you need from me specifically? That's a great place to start because they probably just invited you because you're on the list. Mm -hmm. You're on the list somewhere like, oh yeah, I'll just invite the developing group and uh, you know, these. So I'd, I'd say, don't be afraid to push back a little and just mm -hmm. ask for clarification. Mm -hmm. Because maybe all you need is a recording. Yeah. Well, there's this other this joke. Do people ever watch meeting recordings? <laughs> I would say yes, but on double speed, right? Mm, yeah, if, like, if that's if that's true. Yeah. I mean, I watch. I watch on my team. I do business coaching uh, once a week, and my team doesn't need to be there for the sessions, but they do need to know what happened in the sessions. Mm -hmm. So yeah, we record them and yeah, they do watch them, but they don't watch them on single speed yeah, and yeah. they may not watch it. They may just listen, yeah. you know, which is, which is great. They can just go for a walk, you know, yeah. hit double speed, get all the information that they need. No synchronous meeting needed changes yeah. everything. That is true, especially these uh, like increased speed options have been really game changer also for me, like with regards to like anything like audiobooks, uh, YouTube videos. And uh, that's that's certainly a case. Uh, that's uh, certainly helpful. Um, yes. Yeah, so um, asking a little bit more about um, the specific environment and maybe from from your point again, 
So uh, when it comes to like, you know, your working environment at home or, you know, a core working space or an office that you have with, re but with regards to a remote uh, work. So what is your ideal uh, view on that? I mean, I, I guess like hopefully everybody would like get their own room or something like that. But what is it that you specifically need in order to well focus well or in order to like, work efficiently? Yeah, I mean, oh, the, if everybody had the luxury of their own office, wouldn't yeah. that be nice? Like, I do have the luxury of my own office and I don't have kids or pets. So it's like, you know, I can really tailor my environment. I do have a lot of neighbor cats, I will say, that come by regularly, but oh, that's good. totally different. <laughs> yeah, so I love cats. Um, for me, uh, I need a quiet place. I'm really overstimulated by noise and mm -hmm. things like that. So even with my music, like I love punk rock music, but I can't listen to it while I'm working. It's just too much mm -hmm. in my brain or even yeah, yeah. like, you know, certain rock. So I really listen to ambient music when I'm working just because that's what I like. But uh, uh, so I need a quiet place. And for me, something that's been really important is my sit stand desk, mm -hmm. just because uh, I just need to move a lot during the day. And uh, yeah, I guess maybe ever since this personal trainer, I've had, I've had my sit stand desk for years, but I really use it. Like I mm -hmm. stand and I sit and I stand and I sit just because I can't sit still too long. So that's probably one of the biggest things. I have great speakers. Uh, I love music. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, speakers are, and I have multiple monitors. I have three external mm -hmm. monitors and two Elgato lights mm -hmm. and, you know, good microphones and headsets and backup systems and a green screen curtain. Those are all like luxury items. They don't yeah. really need them. But in my line of work, it's important that I look really good online. And that mm -hmm. I have an envi stable environment where I can give workshops in the evening or in the Netherlands, it's dark by 4.30 in the, in the winter. So, mm -hmm. you know, even late in the day, I want to be able to control my own lighting. So, but really the thing that I really need is just my sit-stand desk if possible and uh, in a quiet environment. And I love the choice of switching it up whenever, which we haven't had in the last two years. Like I loved going to a coffee shop on Monday morning and starting my week there instead of at my office. But uh yeah, that'll come back one day. <laughs> no, that's true. That's true. And yeah, ideally, like somebody or everybody has some, you know, some sort of control. But I also would say that uh, probably people have a little bit more control over their environment than they might realize. Uh, so, for example, uh, for me, um, well, I also don't have kids, but now I'm uh, living together with my wife and that changed from from previously. And for me, it's just very important also that I just have my uh, environment and from the apartment where we live, it's, it was actually easier. And it sounds weird, but I am now renting a second apartment that I use only for an office which for me is just perfect because then I have, well, not only, of course, a room to work, but then also, you know, if you want to uh, have a nap or, or make some coffee or something and you're still just in your own uh, world, in your own bubble. So that helps me a lot, actually. Uh, and then, you totally. know, you can, you can say, uh, like, as you say, you can just create things how, how you need them. So, so of course, a good uh, desk. Uh, I really, really agree on the uh, standing desk option. Uh, so also I've been using a standing desk uh, for a while. I'm actually also having a treadmill desk. So I'm, I have a treadmill on which I can, can walk, uh, which actually I like, what I like about that is not even the, the, the workout part, but that it actually forces you to focus a little bit more. 
because otherwise I really love to just walk around, you know, and then I would see things and I, my, my, wind, uh, my mind would start wander and things like that. And when, especially when I'm writing something that when you, you know, you're forced to stand there, otherwise you fall down. So you have to, you know, keep walking and you have to keep standing also somewhat in an upright position. Um, so you're not really crouching or, you know, crossing your legs or something. So I found this was really like an interesting finding of, uh, of kind of like what helps. And I guess also from a, from a health perspective. Yeah, but definitely. So I have a couple of facilitators. Sorry to interrupt you. I have a couple yeah. of facilitators who have uh, treadmill desks yeah. and they walk like 20,000 steps a day mm -hmm. regularly. That's yeah. amazing. Yeah, that's it's. But the fun thing is you don't really notice it. That, that's really the thing. Like, of course, you notice that at some point you will get tired, but that's also good. But there because then you're forced to do a short break. Um, but but from that perspective, it's really like, yeah, because you do a slow walking speed, right? Like if you were strolling around. Um, so this, this is a quite interesting thing. Yeah. Um, yeah. Whatever works, right. That's mm -hmm. what the best part. I mean, that's the, that's the best part of all of this is really the experimentation. It's the best and the worst because some things don't work. You know, you like you try something out, it totally doesn't work. You know, that's all, but it's all part of it. Yes, it's all part definitely, of it. Definitely. But indeed having the luxury of your own place, mm -hmm. I would say that's really, really important because I need the freedom to have meetings whenever I want. You know, I have to schedule workshops and I have to rearrange my days in weird ways. Like I definitely can't be negotiating with my family every time I, you know, every time something changes, that's, that would just be a nightmare. Yes, no, de definitely. And I would say for people who, you know, like, uh, who uh, like are hesitant about that? I, I would just say, well, you know, all of us we are, you know, we are knowledge workers and we are professionals in this game, right? So even right. if you know we're, we're not self-employed, but you know, like employed somewhere, but uh, I would say, frankly, most people like listening to this, like, somewhat can afford to say, okay, I just take a place, even if it's um, maybe an office uh, in a co-working space. I also had that uh, for for a while, or you know, you just like a place where you actually have your own uh, your own piece, so to say, um, uh, for that, or at least where you can set up an own desk. Also depends how much you're distracted by other things. But well, like you said, I'm also very distracted by noises and uh, uh, somebody else. Um, but um, independent of that, do you have some, some other tips that maybe people where there's some pets or noisy kids running around or, you know, like living with a spouse or something where, because you already mentioned like arranging time schedules, sort of, that it has to work also with the other person and somebody else. Do you have some like experience or how do people manage that when you have uh, little kids? Well, one I would say is, you know, we were in a pandemic mm -hmm. and we were all just surviving. So give, give ourselves a break and a pat on the back for, you know, like we, we made it work despite all the conditions. So no, those are not ideal conditions. One of the things though, that families have done that I've seen be really effective is, you know, I've always, let's take a step back. I've, I've always recommended to teams that they create a team agreement together, but you can also create a team agreement with your family together, mm -hmm. you know, in terms of like just negotiating with your kids and your spouse of, you know, like what happens if, you know, I'm on the, on a call, like what's the behavior, what happens if we have to do, you know, and the kids mm -hmm. also can negotiate theirs. Like if they're in school mm -hmm. and they need something that they can also negotiate what they need. So I think that creating sort of those family agreements together can be a great first step in just talking through like, what is it that you need for work? So, cause these are extraordinary times. And if you're going to work permanently, 
uh, remotely, you know, then, then you've got to take some responsibility in terms of creating a, a workspace for yourself. Mm-hmm. That's going to work. But, you know, if like, if that's not possible and you just want to go back to the office, well, then you've got to just sit tight until it's possible to go back to the office, right? Like, yeah. you know, if this is not going to become the permanent way, uh, that you, that you want to work, or if you don't want to work at home, which many people do not, you know, then, then you have to take the responsibility for finding a space that's going to work for you. And uh, yeah, I mean, remote working wasn't ever supposed to be work from home only with your kids and everybody there yeah. <laughs> like that. That was not what it was meant to be. And, and uh, that's why the future is choice. Yeah, no, that's that, that's a really good point. And yeah, that, that, definitely something that that helps. That's for sure. And um, yeah, with regards to somewhat planning that when you say, OK, let, let's say like time uh, management or time planning, um, how do you uh, plan that somewhat for yourself or do you do something like your day planning up front that you say, okay, tomorrow, what, you know, what I should do, or especially when you have a lot of freedom of when you exactly work on which type of task, um, how do you, how do you decide what, you know, to work on first and at which time of the day or which time for as of tomorrow? So how much planning for you is involved in that? Uh, quite a lot, actually. I'm very, very disciplined about my time during the week. On the weekends, I, I can do whatever I want. And uh, and I always start every weekend with eating a bag of chips because uh, Doritos, American Ranch. I hate, I don't love American things uh, so much, but American Ranch Doritos, that's my favorite. Um, so anyway, during the week, so what I do is on Mondays, I have uh, my uh, first thing I do on Mondays is a planning session. And I look at what do I have this week? Like how many workshops, how many presentations, what's going on? You know, what do I need to do? And then I fill in my calendar on Monday with all the time boxes for, okay, if I have this presentation, I'm going to need to prepare for it. I need some time for follow-up. I have to insert my workouts and I fill in my calendar basically with just blocks of time of when I'm going to do what. And I do that because uh, otherwise, I mean, I run my own business and I manage my own day and I get really overwhelmed quickly with all the things that are coming in. Mm -hmm. So I basically do like a sprint planning for myself at the beginning Mm -hmm. of the week, but I fill in the calendar and then the rest of the week, I just execute. I don't even think about what I need to do mm-hmm. because I've already thought about that on Monday and I just look at my calendar. I'm like, Oh, it's 11. I should be doing this now. And of course it's a little bit wiggly, you know, like things move around meetings go longer or shorter. So things get moved around, but at least I visualized everything that I need on my calendar. And uh, it really helps me with, in terms of estimating how much I can do, mm-hmm. you know, because when you fill it all in like that, it's like, Oh man. It's uh, there's not a lot of time in a week. Yeah. <laughs> yes, exactly. You know, that's definitely true. And also the more you do it, the more you get the experience of saying, okay, this is, you know, from experience, this is actually not really realistic. What I just now planned that it would work for 40 plus hours, just in that project and things like that. So I think that also helps you from this regard. Right. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Because I, we all overestimate what we can do. Like, you know, cause it doesn't seem like it's going to be that hard, but you never know. Like, uh, so when things happen around the house, like sometimes uh, I'll open the curtain and a plant falls off the windowsill and it just goes everywhere. And, you know, mm-hmm. you're just like, oh, man. And so then when that happens, I've got this thing. I just yelled project like all of a sudden the act of opening the shade is turned into a big project. And so mm-hmm. sometimes when that happens, you know, during the week, I do the same thing. I just yell out to myself project. And then I acknowledge that this became bigger than but it actually is. <laughs> mm. I must sound, I must look insane to my neighbors. If they're looking, you know, I'm like hitting the button on the wall, like that yeah. was easy and yelling out project. <laughs> but, 
this is what happens when you live <laughs> when you have your own office and do your exactly no well it, it definitely helps <laughs> yeah, it definitely helps so connected to that do you have some like ratio how much time you do then plan for individual days like i once heard that number like you should plan only 60 um or allo allocate 60 percent of the time and the rest just have for you know breaks and such buffers if you know plan uh, plans fall down to just uh, you know account uh, for some emergencies I don't have a percentage that I leave open, but uh, I don't, I don't fill in every single minute either. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I, I, I know that I'm going to need some time after every meeting to like, you know, I, you know, I usually have an errand, like today I've got to go to the mailbox. That'll take me 10 minutes to walk there and 10 minutes to walk back. You know, so I, so I've got that all planned in. I don't have a particular ratio, but I do leave in some wiggle room just because, you know, stuff's going to come up. And if it doesn't, well, then you've got a free block of time yeah. and that's like, Awesome. Or I just take, you know, I'll, I'll leave early on Fridays. Yeah. If I have, you, you know, read more tweets. Yeah. Yeah. I can read more news. <laughs> totally. no, that's cool. And yeah. So um, we, with this regard, also what, what I found quite, quite interesting. So I have a, um, well, theory for that for especially our, uh, us knowledge workers. And if we're more on, you know, this one uh, side of the brain where we're more in the structural organized way of thinking that we also somewhat need a balance for the other maybe creative uh, part of the brain. So do you, uh, do, do you have that feeling sometimes that you say, well, you would like to do something else where you take a break, but especially some sort of creative break or where you do just a different type of activity just to balance that out? So with regards to, so you know, sure. art and music or... Yeah, for sure. Especially during the pandemic, you know, it's, uh, I was in the very beginning of the pandemic, I was like working all day and then, it, you know, on, online. And then at night I was on YouTube and Netflix. And at some point you reach the end of the internet. I mean, I know you don't think it's possible. It is possible. You can't reach the end of the internet. You've seen just about everything you want to see. And uh, I took up uh, sewing. And, uh, and so I started like in the evenings, I'm now, you know, making my own clothes, designing my own patterns. I learned how to sew and I, you know, mm -hmm. so that that's sort of what I've done for myself, but I was all, I've always been, um, pretty active outdoors. So, mm -hmm. you know, it's been before I would go to the climbing hall and I found that that was a really good sport because with certain sports like climbing, you know, you can only focus on what's right in front of you. Mm -hmm. So like, it was like, okay, what's the next mm -hmm. hold? That's the only thing you can think of when you're there, you know, otherwise you're going to fall. And that kind of having that kind of a sport, I think is really good for getting out of your own head. Mm -hmm. Another thing uh, my husband got, I got into sewing and he got into board games, but there's mm -hmm. very few board games that you can play alone. So I've been dragged into the board game craze mm -hmm. as well. And I found that that's also a nice way of just resetting the brain. You're still thinking, you know, like if it's on a day where I've done a lot of work and I, I just don't have the brain power to play a big, complicated game, you know, there's always a simple game that you can play. Mm -hmm. And that that's also good. But yeah, I think it's critical to have a non-screen hobby, mm -hmm. whatever it is, just yes. something that gets, because it's just not healthy for us as humans to be on the screen all the time. We need something else. So whatever it is, just not involving a screen. Yeah, that's that's definitely true, and and I would say also something that you feel is a good a good balance. So I had one, um, yeah, interesting finding with, related to that recently with uh, in in Munich, a friend uh, of mine, and she's a designer. She like a product designer, so she you know does a lot of uh, designing and colors and all kinds of stuff. And then uh, she basically said a similar thing, but only with you know that other half of the brain that she says. Well, in order to relax, she just solves Sudoku's, you know, and does some 
you know, this type of analytical thinking. And then she asked me whether I would like to do one together. And for me, it was really interesting because afterwards for her, it was like a super break and she felt relaxed. And for me, after a working day, it almost felt like, you know, additional work because similar to, you know, programming, it's also, you have to do this logical type of thinking and solving that. So for me, it would have been nicer to actually, you know, totally. help her with some design project or something with just uh, that other, I don't know, just like some balance. So I guess, uh, just trying to find some balance uh, for you to to just b balance these two uh, uh, parts of, of brain. This is also, I, I would um, be interested, what do you think about that? Because um, I'm not quite uh, uh, happy with the term work-life balance, uh, because, you know, it's, it's, it's somewhat suggests that, that work is somewhat not part of your life or whatever. So I would just uh, say more, I don't know, life-life balance sounds, sounds weird, but something like a balance in general where you say, okay, from that specific type of activity, you need in order to sort that out, need somewhat like maybe the opposite or some something that just, you know, balances this in some ratio that might be very individual, right? So when you always do this logical type of thinking, maybe then, you know, some creativity part, maybe doing some sports, maybe some, you know, communicative things with other people. So what what, what is view, your view on that? Yeah. I mean, I also used to think, I used to talk about work-life fusion mm -hmm. and that's even worse, oh, yeah. right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. My husband used to make fun of me. He's like, yeah, you're not just work together anywhere. You're work together anywhere, anytime, any place. Oh, wow. I'm like, <laughs> yeah, it's like, it's also not good. So uh, I don't, you're right. Balance, balance almost isn't the right word because it sounds like you're in conflict. I've really, I've really just come to use the word sustainable. Mm -hmm because I'm trying to find a pattern or a way of working that I can do long-term that mm -hmm. doesn't burn me out. And, you know, we used to have these old models on working from the office where the vacation was the time that we took like, okay, we push, 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 and then we take a vacation and then relax. But yeah. what I found is that I put, I do that even to this day, I'm st I still struggle with it, but I push, push, push. And then I toasted for the first week of vacation. Like it takes mm -hmm. me a week just to like, feel mm -hmm. like a human again. Right. And so what I'm trying to do is find a way that I can go on vacation and, and not have to recover first, yeah. that I'm just like, not so toasted by the time I, I get there that the, that the vacation becomes all about recovery. So that's sort of my goals, like knowing that I have to come back to this, how can I make this a way that, that I'm not my all, everything that I focus on is trying to feel like a, a human and that I'm in a good mood for my family by the end of the week. Like that's mm -hmm. everything goes towards how do I keep my energy levels to a point where I'm, I'm not, you know, being mean to my husband mm -hmm. because I'm impatient and grumpy because I work too hard. Mm -hmm. No, this is, this is certainly true. I mean, there's definitely also the, the case for me that I thought that, you know, I, I don't want to uh, live a, live a life in which I, from which I have to relax from, you know, like, or take vacation right. from because it should be somewhat a balance that every week by itself just feels like balanced in its own that you say, okay, then, you know, you can schedule some other type in or just like work not that much or, or have a, yeah, and then vacation balance. is a reward for all the hard work that you've done. Like you can just, you know, go and take two weeks to eat new foods and, mm -hmm. you know, whatever, whatever people like to do on vacation. Yes. Well, and especially for, for knowledge workers, I think all of us yeah. have somewhat the feeling that it doesn't really work anyway to try to focus for 16 hours a day. Like, no, that, you know, you won't be more effective by just doing that for longer, like quite, quite the opposite if you're really focused well. 
Yeah, I can, I can really go two to three hours, like three hours if I'm working on something that I'm really into, but that, even that doesn't happen so long. One of the things that I've been doing, I took um, inspiration from Jerry Seinfeld, actually, who was talking on the Tim Ferriss podcast. It sounds like I'm a total Tim Ferriss fan and I am, but not like a, a, as big as maybe yes. I sound. But, um, but anyway, in the interview, Jerry was saying that he works on his craft every day and that for him, writing for an hour is like the max for him. So he can he works and writes jokes and stuff every day for an hour, no matter what. And then, you know, and then evolves it from there. And then he gets a lot of feedback and then sort of does it. And so that's what I've done. It's like I've, the most important thing of my day I work on first for an hour. I call it my craft time. Mm-hmm. Um, and but that's about as much super focused you know, where, and then I've got a bunch of other stuff. Then the meeting starts and the emails start coming in and stuff. But, uh, but yeah, I think, yeah, the amount of focus, especially for programmers, like you mm-hmm. guys are solving hard problems, like, and you're working with code that doesn't always make sense. And, mm-hmm. you know, there's all kinds of thinking of it to tie things together and my God, you need the time just to explore. Yeah. It's a, uh, yeah. Different functions require different things, I guess. Yes. Well, that's, that's definitely true. And yeah, as you say, you cannot do that just like continue forever. And, and yeah, with programmers, I mean, there's certainly also this danger or this trap to fall in because it's also really fun, you know, and then you just cannot stop. And maybe it would have been a good thing to stop after, let's say six hours, but then you just like continue and continue and there's something you haven't solved yet. So you just want to keep it going, but then you, you know, your productivity drops uh, quite, quite a lot. And I mean, the same was pretty much the case in nine to five offices, right? Like people somewhat have the feeling that they are productive because they're in the office, quote unquote. But then if you, if you watch how they actually spent the time and just like having a chat over coffee or something, which is also nice in a different way, but it, it's not really the most productive thing or that you say, okay, you could definitely spend that time um, in a different way as well. I can't imagine having to work for eight hours straight or even like, you know, eight hours with a lunch break. I can't imagine doing that anymore. I just don't work in that way. My productivity goes all over the place. Maybe I slept bad the night before. And my God, if you have kids, you know, like how to pair, I have no idea how parents even do it. Mm -hmm. And I track my time meticulously. Mm -hmm. And uh, what I found is, you know, I work I start work about 8.15 in the morning. That's a, well, I've gotten back from a morning walk and I usually end around 5.30 or 6. And in between, I've had my workout, like I mentioned before. Mm-hmm. At the end of the week, I've usually only put in 30 to 33 hours, mm-hmm. even though, you know, and I, because I track it, you know, and if I take a break in between projects and I go downstairs, like I, to pet the cats, like I turn off the timer and I go mm-hmm. downstairs and then I come back in and I start the timer again for the next task. And I'm always surprised because I feel like I'm working so much more, but Mm -hmm. really on average, very, I mean, it's 30 to 33 hours a week. Mm -hmm. That's, and that's as hard as I can go at the moment. Yeah. And and that's the point. I would say that's, that's a lot. It doesn't sound like it, but if people, you know, if before in a nine to five office, you would do the same thing, like literally tracking when you are actually, you know, trying to solve the problem. And then once a distraction comes in and you're, you know, you're having a chat uh, for coffee or, you know, a coworker pops in and, and ask you a question, that, then you would also stop the timer. I would, I guarantee you would come up with a way smaller number yeah, in which you actually, yeah. you know, trying to be productive. So 
Um, and then that's that's certainly I have something uh, I found myself all, also for myself in the beginning that I would kind of like even judge myself because of that because when I would work from home and then I'm kind of like I'm at home so it doesn't really feel like work and I would judge immediately myself if I quickly go to the bathroom or to uh, to the fridge uh, but actually in fact you you're more likely to work more you just don't realize it. Well, yeah, and also like what is work what if i'm going out for a walk and i'm thinking about a problem mm -hmm. while i'm out walking like that is is that also work yeah like the timer's not set but when i'm out running of course i'm thinking about what's going on and the presentation i'm about to give and like oh this workshop i need to focus it in this way like i'm always thinking about what you know so if i don't track that time you know that's uh, that's not yeah. on the timer like runtime is runtime my brain gets going no exactly to go. and and that's definitely something that uh developers can relate to because there were even jokes where you know like you do debugging in the shower or you know on the toilet or something which is totally true because you need to take a step back you won't see certain things when you really in front of, when they are in front of you you watch the screen the whole time but you need to take a step back and allow yourself to somewhat you know mumble over it for subconsciously um, and I even uh, did this myself that I say, okay, now I go in a work session and then, you know, I take a piece of paper and just like a, a pen, walk out uh, outside somewhere, sit on a bench in the park, and then just I'm pondering again on this and just writing down my thoughts. And very often, surprisingly often, you get to a different solution and because you changed the environment and also you allowed yourself uh, to take a step back. And I would certainly then count that as, I would say, working uh, working hours as well, also somewhat a different uh, work environment, so to say. <laughs> well, and that's why, you know, like uh, uh, the thing that it highlighted for me when I was really learning, like, oh my God, I only work like 30 hours a week. I was, as an American, I feel like mm -hmm. guilty and ashamed of yeah. like that I'm not working more, really, because I grew up and I grew up in a military family and in a very American environment. Yeah. And, uh, you know, the harder you work, the luckier you get, was what my dad always used to say. So it's really, you know, and so I feel guilty with working only 30 hours. However, um, boy, I lost a train of thought because I was going, but, uh, uh, but that yeah, if yeah. not feeling guilty. Yeah. yeah. Not feeling guilty. Yeah. That's the whole thing. It's like, I'm still doing really productive work. Like, and that's really the time that I'm actually working and you just have to, oh, this is where I was going. You have to get away from time-based work metrics mm -hmm. and we have to focus on results based yeah. metrics like yeah. what value are you creating and if it takes one person two hours and the other person eight hours why are we punishing the two-hour person this is so like, true this is so true that, this highlights it for me this is just like okay i'm only actually working 30 hours a week but i'm creating enough value that i'm making a living from it yeah. well then is there a problem Exactly. And the thing is, you know, like, especially software developers should know that because you pretty uh, likely have, have heard the term like 10x developer, quote unquote, that people are, you know, like literally 10 times as, as effective as, as others. And I would say that's not even true. It's like 10,000x or something like that because of the fact that computers are really, you know, relentless. So if you don't put in the missing semicolon on line 37 or something, you know, you could shout at your computer, you can do a backflip, you know, it just won't do it, right? So you need an experienced person who can solve that in, in literally no time and saying, oh, yeah, here, there's the other uh, error. This doesn't make sense because these, uh, these and these reasons. And it doesn't really help you if you just like spend more time trying to ponder on the problem right. if you didn't fully understand what you're doing. And, you know, as you say, like, who, who adds more value if you just say, oh, it works like this and you solve it literally in one hour, 
and another person might just spend a week and that is not exaggerated <laughs> uh, doing the same thing. So it's, it's really, that is really the case. And yeah. So that's why, I mean, that's this, and it's easy to say, let's go from time-based to results-based, mm -hmm. but if you start to look at like, okay, well, what is, what do your metrics look like yeah. then? Right. Yeah. Like, what are you actually measuring then? Oh, that's, that's where the real issue starts coming in. Like how, yeah. And uh, yeah, there's all kinds of ways to do it. It's just, uh, we had, what I always say about this whole shift to remote is it's a new medium and we can't use the same metrics and the same workflow processes that we had in the in-person medium. Mm -hmm. And we can't use the same ones as like in the all remote medium. If we're going to go hybrid, if we're going to go choice, it's a new medium. So we have to redesign again, all of our workflows for this new medium. Mm -hmm. No, fair enough. And um, yeah, just as a like last uh, question from a little bit different angle, because you mentioned a few uh, books or like Tim, Tim Ferriss a few times. So is there specifically one, you know, like book or a few uh, particular ones that you might say had the biggest impact on you might be oh, totally. based or not? <laughs> totally. I mean, so uh, I am a slavish fangirl for Cal Newport, who wrote Deep mm -hmm. Work, oh, yeah. but his oh, newest yeah. book, A World Without Email, I think mm -hmm. is one of the one of the okay. most important books to read if you're going to go work in a hybrid way. I know it's called A World Without Email, but it's not about getting rid of email. It's about mm -hmm. redesigning our workflows for this new medium of work. And he didn't mean to write it for the hybrid world, but he did. Mm -hmm. uh, it, it ended up being uh, very useful. So I would say if there's one book that you read out there after mine, of course, <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, but the Cal Newport's um, A World Without Email is genius. And then I think the other one, it's, an, it's interesting. The other one I would recommend is Jurgen Apollo's Managing for Happiness. And I've had the book for years and it's been out for years. And when I first read it, like it's a very colorful and beautiful book with lots of pictures and stories. Mm -hmm. And it is deceptively simple when you read it. Mm -hmm. But when you really start to dive into the things that he's saying and the practices that he's going into, and you start to dive into, there is a lot of research and a lot of theory behind what he's talking about. And when you dive into it, I just didn't realize it until recently when I really dove into the book again, I was creating a course for a, a university mm -hmm. and, uh, and I was diving into the chapters in his book on like the scoreboard intra index and how we measure success and how we pay people and bonus incentives. Mm -hmm. And really there's so much information in that book that I think is valuable for people. I think it's just deceptive because it's so pretty. Mm -hmm. that we don't think, but it is so rich. So those two books, I'd say, really, those are the, those are great books oh, I, for I the times. You definitely get that myself. I haven't heard the second one. So this is like, and so you say, don't get the uh, audio version, like get the real book with the pictures and then. Well, I mean, so I'll just show you really quick because I, I just was designing. I mean, look at this thing. It's so yeah. beautiful. So you're kind of missing out on the audio book, I, I think. I, I just... get it. I get it. So there are certain books that, yeah, one just has to look uh, look at in, in real life. <laughs> I'm I'm an audiobook junkie myself. I have hundreds and hundreds of audiobooks. So uh, I, I hear you on that. But uh, yeah, some books you got to just have. Perfect. Perfect. Yeah. Thank you very much for, for sharing all that. This was super, super interesting and uh, super helpful. So where can uh, people find you, uh, find you online? What is the best way? 
So I would say LisetteSutherland.com is, uh, has everything about me. If you want to know more about collaboration superpowers, that's collaboration superpowers.com. And that's more like the podcast and the workshops and all of the material. LisetteSutherland.com is just more about like my speaking and my personal workshops, but yeah, collaboration superpowers is so much bigger. We have 60 plus facilitators all over the world giving workshops now. Mm -hmm. So it's, uh, it's really grown into its own little enterprise. So I would say for everybody, yeah, who would who would like to get on the next level with regards to well managing teams and working working remotely, uh, successfully working remotely, then definitely have a have a look at collaboration superpowers. And yeah, Lizette, uh, thank you very very much uh, for this for this episode. And yeah, for everybody listening, well, thanks a lot for listening. Thanks for having me.